Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Suzanne Schartz, COO, Sigvoya in Luxembourg, a data junkie on a mission, and why she believes data could be the new high for financial services. All that happening in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Treese for Flex in the City. And today I'm absolutely delighted to have the COO of Sigvoya in Luxembourg, Suzanne Schaas. Suzanne is a self-confessed data junkie. That's what she's just told me anyway. So I'm really looking forward to finding out a bit more about you, Suzanne. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. I'm delighted to be with you. You're very, very welcome. So I, I know you a little bit. I know that you're you're German and, and you've lived all over the world. So, so tell everybody a little bit more about you, uh, Suzanne. Yes. So um, I'm Susanna. I'm the COO at Sequoia, which is a Luxembourg fintech company. As you said, Rachel, I am German. Um, I live in Luxembourg. Um, I have been at Sequoia for almost four years now. And previously, I worked for a large British asset manager for almost 20 years here in the Grand wow. Duchy. Wow. Long time. <laughs> I'm married to a French man, uh, which is surprising for anybody knowing me because I'm very Anglophile. Uh, I have no children, but I have a ferocious cat. Wow. Uh, I grew up in Germany and during my education, I lived in Canada in the UK and in the US, um, both in San Francisco and in North Carolina, so West Coast and East Coast. Okay. Um, family is very important to me. I have three sisters and one brother that I'm all close to. And uh, just for the sake of my mother, the brother is not the youngest one because she's been asked that millions of times. <laughs> when that's, I don't, that's a bit about you. So, yeah. so you've obviously worked in, in financial services for, for a long uh, time. And as you know, Flex in the City is all about leadership. So I'd be curious to know, is, are there any sort of worldwide female leaders that you, you, you really admire? Yes, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, there's more and more now. One, clearly Angela Merkel, she was a star. It was, was impressive. It was surprising at the time as well. Um, but for me, even more so, um, Jacinta Ardern and locally, Malu Dreyer, she's not so known. But what I like really is they're using a very constructive and transparent approach to change. Right. They move an agenda, but it's based on open discussion and a will to understand differing positions. So that's really something that I find impressive in them. For, for other types of leaders, not necessarily political, let's say. Being German, um, there's a lot of German family-owned businesses, the, the famous Mittelstand, that grew from nothing often to, to really worldwide companies. One example I can give is, is Chibo. If you go to Germany, you'll yeah, have... Yeah, they're the coffee maker, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to come across the shop. They started as a coffee seller just after the war. And then in the 70s, 80s, they had to reinvent themselves because they were selling coffee and they were giving away the tins that come with it. And suddenly they weren't allowed to give them away for free anymore. So they started selling the tins and made that into an entirely new model. And today they sell anything from household items, clothing, technology, mobile phones. They really had to create innovation from a thread to the existing business model. Wow. And showed great resilience. Wow, fantastic. And financial services, you said you worked in asset management for, for over 20 years. You know, has there been a leader 
you know, within the financial services industry that's, you know, inspired you? Yes, clearly there's, there's many um, impressive figures there. One historical personality that, that I studied um, was John Pierpont Morgan. Oh, J.P. Morgan. Wow. Yes, yeah. Oh. Wasn't he a bit of a character? Yes, I think so. He had really a vision that was extremely large. He had drive and he really put something in place that nobody had done before. He, he really invented half of the industry, let's say. And, and he did that very much based on individuals as well. He was good in identifying individuals and their strengths and put them in a position where they could leverage that strength. And he, he started at a very young age. So I, I find him very impressive. Very good. And, and, you know, you're a leader yourself, Suzanne. What would you say that you personally stand for as a leader? It's important to, to be clear what or how you would define leadership. I think a leader has to have a vision to give that vision to their team, to their company. Humans need a purpose to strive towards a direction, to stick together. And defining that purpose is the responsibility, really, of the leader. Mm -hmm. The next step for the leader is to share that vision. So communication is extremely important, and that's to the group but also to all stakeholders in the, in the larger context, to your clients, mm-hmm. um, maybe to society, depending on what you want to achieve. But you need to be anchored in a larger vision of what you're, what you're doing for your clients, for society, for the world mm-hmm. even. And the vision is your North Pole there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that drive you at Sequoia? How does that North Pole drive you there? Yeah, I, I, we are very clear at Sigvoy of what we want to achieve and the innovation we want to bring to the market as well. For me personally, it's very important to lead by example. Mm. I think you can't give rules that you don't adhere to. You have to be trustworthy, do what you say. I also have no issue in making errors. Well, I don't like making errors and I try to not make them. But really, if you do make errors, you have to acknowledge them. You, you can admit that you don't know something, mm-hmm. but then you have to show, you know, how do you deal with that? What are you doing to, to close that gap? And how do you go about it? The final thing that for me is very important is trust. Yeah. Because people will not follow your leadership if there's no trust. And trust takes time and it also takes some genuine interest in people mm-hmm. in order to build trust. And you have to be aware that trust is a breakable good. So it, it can easily, it can be broken very fast mm. if you do the wrong move. So I really think that a certain carefulness is important as well. Yeah, I like that quote. Trust is a breakable good. It's a it's a very nice quote. I'm going to have mm. to use this on this podcast. I think <laughs> it's, it's great. So, um, you know, anything else about your culture at, at Sequoia? Anything else that you know? What are you trying to do in terms of how you create a, a culture? Yes, so Sequoia is a very small company, and I moved from a very large company to a very small company, and I did that quite easily. Because I knew Sequoia at the time and I knew there was a strong culture. And that's really something that we've retained. 
we're moving forward really at high speed in a very dynamic industry. So this culture and the core values are very important because that also helps to keep us together. Mm -hmm. um, we have a mission to bring transparent data management into an industry that depends on correct and coherent data, mm -hmm. both in terms of regulation and to underpin the distribution success. So for me, really, the alignment on this vision is a great source of motivation. And then the team um, that I work with and the values that I mentioned before, creating trust, teamwork, collaboration, also transparency. Mm, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so you don't have children, but I do know you have a ferocious cat. Um, <laughs> I can't ask if, if the ferocious cat knows what you do, but maybe I could ask, um, because I'm curious, um, do you do parents know, know, know what you do? And what, what would your parents' view of the financial services industry be? So that's a question um, where the answer will be very divided depending on which part of my parents I talk about. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think it's a very important topic, this understanding of the industry and what it does. Clearly, my father, if you would have asked him, he would have said, I work in a bank, probably even today. Bank means accounts, credit, savings, somebody behind a teller. Mm -hmm. Funds were a notion he never really understood. And considering my father was a doctor and educated and quite smart in many ways, you know, it's a bit of a surprise. But I think for some people, there's a barrier towards financial services, towards the complexity, the, the, the theory behind maybe a product and investment. Mm -hmm. And I do think um, there's a challenge of making that understood much more, especially the fund industry. It, it, it underpins um, massive amounts of our pensions, right? So it would be important to get buy-in and it would be very important to get people to understand and have simple language and really try to educate what the industry is doing, why that's beneficial and where the, the special, special expertise that the industry brings, where that adds value. Yeah. So, so what would Angela Merkel do to change the financial services industry and make it less complex? <laughs> um, I don't know what Angela Merkel would do because she's, she's heading a very complex building, <laughs> a government. But clearly, I, I think having more education, having school education already, um, both in explaining how certain things work, mm -hmm. but also basic financial education. You know, if you have money, where do you spend it? Um, you know, what are your fixed costs? Um, and then look, what does investment mean? Mm -hmm. right? Putting money to use. Yeah. That so will be really important. So going back to basics really is, is your... Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Very good. So, so what, what do you think um, would be a big game changer for, for the industry? Um, we've talked about the way in which it communicates, but what else might be a, a good game changer, Susanna? Yeah, so, um, you know, you said it, I'm a data junkie. <laughs> so that's the direction um, that would be a game changer for me. Really, if the industry would be systematically implementing technology, especially if they would in, implement technology um, to manage their data better. 
And if I say this, I mean, really manage data around the company data model, mm -hmm. where you have a golden source where you store your data and where you relate your data to each other. Yeah. And that's, sorry, yeah, that's something where today um, there's a lot of talking about data, um, but it's very siloed still. Right. So for me, having a golden source is great, but you have to have transparency to, to ensure everybody understands the data and can access it. Um, I'm really convinced that silos just do not work any longer. Mm -hmm. The world is changing. Technology is accelerating that change, and it's going away from silos and towards cooperation. And that's also the reference to the female political leaders. I think they're more cooperative in the, the way they work. So the silos do not work anymore because data only becomes information when it comes together. And the more data comes together across the silos, the more information is available. And then you can draw knowledge from that information and it gets you to wisdom ultimately. So that's really where I think we'd have to go. And there's a lot of talk about data, but there's also skepticism. And for anybody being skeptic, I would say, look at Amazon. They're the fourth largest company in the world built on a systematic usage of data. From the very start, the data and data analysis was part of the business model. And you know, it's taken them very high up in a very short time. Yeah, so taking Jeff Bezos to um, to space, to, hasn't it? <laughs> to space yeah. today, today, today is the day. <laughs> so let's carry on with this data junkie because I love that phrase. So if you're a data junkie and you love all this data, how important is being human in financial services? Yes, for me, it's extremely important. We're going into a world where more and more can be done by and through technology. But that really makes the human element even more important than ever, because it's only humans who can think about how should we use technology? How can we use it? It's humans bringing innovation based on technology. It's not the other way around. If you look at, oh, there's blockchain, there's AI, and now I will use it, and it makes me innovative. It's the wrong way around. You have to know what you want to achieve. And I think that's, that's really very, very important. And then the last thing is really ensure that the diversity of humanity is represented. Right. Really the breadth of approaches, be more inclusive, and technology can help us in this. Yeah, so technology can help us be more inclusive? I believe that, yes. It's, it's um, the counterpiece to uh, breaking down barriers and giving more transparency. Mm, interesting. So... When you're not being a data junkie, Susanna, um, and outside of the big, wild west of financial services, what, what motivates you? Um, what do you love to do? Yeah, I'm, I, I like nature. That's for sure. I like hiking, cycling. I like it much better when the weather's good. So I, I'm not the all year round, any weather, um, hot sports person. Last year, we bought a kayak, which was a new experience for me because I don't swim very well. So I'm, I'm a bit afraid of water, open sea. Um, but that's now something we do during holidays. And I think it's a really great way of being active together, enjoying nature. 
Well, but I don't have to exhaust myself, really. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from this, really, all my preferred or a lot of my preferred entertainment was really um, highly impacted by COVID. Yeah. Uh, meeting friends, cinema, cooking, salsa dancing. So there I'm still navigating on what's possible again and how I feel about, uh, about going about these entertainment options. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll see. COVID, COVID's impacted us all, those, those of us who love getting out and about. So yes. it's been a big impact. So, so salsa, um, which, which I am fascinated by, what do you think the whole financial services industry could learn from salsa? Oh, <laughs> interesting question. Well, having fun while you work. That's, that's yeah. uh, an important one. My, my journey into salsa was almost accidental, let's say, but I really got hooked then. Um, it's a great rhythm, good music for me. But what I like most really is I, I do a special form of salsa, which is called rueda, which is the circle. Okay. And there you dance in a circle of couples and you have somebody giving commands. So you're doing the same movements at the same time. Um, and that leads you to actually change partners as well and, and really create an image. Um, and I really like this. Um, and what I like there is that really uh, everybody's doing the same figures and turns and there's dynamic change. We're all moving at the same time and synchronously. And we're, we're creating something bigger than ourselves, right? We're projecting an image there. We're creating something new. It's much more than an individual couple. And there's really some of the movements, you know, you create a star or something like this. And it's, it's a lot of fun. But I think that's something that um, financial services could probably learn. Fall into the rhythm. You can achieve more together in a team. I think that's a lovely, lovely way to finish this podcast. Susanna Schartz, thank you so very much for joining us today on Flex in the City. Thanks very much, Rachel. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.